afternoon, beloved listener. It's another wonderful Sunday, and I'm here with my friend, Clay. Hello, hello. Clay, you sound great. Thank you. Uh, man, I've known Clay for a while now. I can't... I, Trying to think of the very first time we met, I feel like it was at a dance party. Um, um it might have been. I feel like oh. it was lonesome. Oh, it was lonesome. It was yeah. a karaoke night. Yeah, I ran into you uh, there. I was there with Derek, and I ran into you outside, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I know this guy." And, yeah. And we came over and spoke for a while. Yeah, and we've we've hung out a few times since then, but it's also just been kind of random a lot of times. Yeah, a lot of run-ins. Yeah, a lot of run-ins. Yeah. So I'm so well, grateful to have you as a guest. Yeah, on. thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, a lot of fun karaoke nights. Yeah. We met, ironically. Definitely. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if you've listened to the show at all. It's very laid back, and I'm kind of just a curious person, and I love people. And so I want to know as much as I can about everybody as far as, like, building friendship and relationship. Mm-hmm. So... Who the heck are you, Clay? How long have you been in San Antonio? Uh, I am born and raised here. Been wow. here my whole life. So. A real native. Real native, yep. Yeah. Yep. So my um, parents were both born here and I was born here. So, Well, yeah, I guess my mom was no right before because she was born in Germany, I think. Oh, cool. Gotcha. Uh, have you ever been to Germany? I have not, but I really want to go. Um, that's I'd like where, to go as well. Yeah, my grandma is from there. She was born there in the 30s. So she lived through all of that. Whoa. Um, and then after, before they moved, after she met my grandpa over there in the 50s, um, a couple of the kids were born over there on bases. And then some were, well, a couple, I think one or two were born over here because they have four kids, including my mother. Wow. Man. So she was in Germany during World War II. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Definitely, definitely wild. She's um, told me some crazy stories about, you know, all aspects of it and just surviving because her hometown was like totally destroyed. Uh, I think 99%, um, the only building that survived, um, crazily enough, was the church. Whoa. Yeah. And you're listening to Oops, I Missed Church. (laughs) Yeah. Looks like the Germans or whoever was bombing (laughs) missed the church. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. What what town was it? Uh, It's called Krailsheim. It's, from my understanding, kind of near Stuttgart. Um, and it had a major trainway going through there. So okay. I think the Allied forces bombed it and destroyed most of it. And that was like mid-middle war, I guess, probably around 43 or so, because she was out there for a while after that. Wow. Yeah. So when did she come to America? Um, I want to say about 57 was after my grandparents got married, because they dated over there for about um, three, four years while he was on deployment over there. And he extended to stay another two years to stay okay. with her longer because she didn't want to marry him but he's very persistent <laughs> and he runs in the family um and then she came over here in 57 with him wow. and lived in different places all over the u.s because since my grandpa being in the military moved around a lot got to move around mm-hmm. yeah wow that's so wild and they're both still alive yes right yeah 88 and 90 years old whoa they are little angels they go to the gym five days a week oh my gosh um they cook all their own. They cook all their own meals, and uh, I get mad at them. They they mow the lawn while I'm at work because I've decided to stay back with them. Um, a little a little over a year ago, almost two years ago, I kept my apartment for a while, but then I eventually got rid of it. So I'm just over there with them now. Nice. Mm-hmm. And are your folks still in San Antonio? They are. Yeah, they're over kind of I guess on the northwest side of town. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. And you've got siblings, you said? Just one stepbrother. Just one stepbrother. Yeah, right. he's a little bit older. He's about 10 years older than me. Um, but he's still in San Antonio, too. And we don't see each other a whole lot, but um, we saw each other recently right around Christmas when I had lunch, so that was nice. Nice. Do you want to stay here forever? 
Um, I don't think so. No, but I mean, for the position I am in, I feel like, uh, I can definitely build up a lot here and then figure out, you know, kind of from there. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I'd really want to stay, but I'm, I like it here for now. I have a lot of opportunity here, so I figure I'll stay for some time. Yeah. Looking to buy a home here, maybe at some point, you know, I just don't know. Yeah. So that's him. Have you gotten to travel much? I have. Um, not a whole bunch in the recent years now that, you know, just working a bunch. Um, so I guess places I've been, I've been to Washington, I've been to Seattle and Port Angeles in Washington. Cool. Um, L.A. Uh, and Georgia, I've been to not Georgia, uh, Louisiana, over near all the casinos. All my parents used to go over there, um, and my grandparents on the other side would go and play Delta Downs and everything. So I've been there, and then Florida, and Washington D.C. and I think that's and Colorado. So basically, every corner and one in the middle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice. Have you you've never been to Iowa? I have not been to Iowa. Is that oh. where you're from? Uh, partially, yeah. yeah. And that's where Oops, I Missed Church is broadcast ah, got it. on the actual radio. Yeah, I knew there was something to that degree, I think. Because I, I had listened one time before. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. That You're very familiar with San Antonio. Yeah, I, I think so. I've yeah. gotten to the point where I know most of the roads, you know, don't yeah. have to GPS everywhere. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. And currently, you're working as a car salesman. Mm-hmm. How long have you been doing that? Um, well, I started, I guess, June of 21. So with it being... Just about a year. March, almost, almost a year, about 10 months right now. Nice. And how do you, how do you like it? Um, I really, really enjoy it. Um, I used to... Uh, so I had like a bunch of life changes that led me to going into sales. I was you know, going to school for finance before. And then during going there, I got into a car accident, ran out of money, um, which I've kind of told you some. And... Yeah. Um, Started working in sales while I was trying to join the military. Joining the military didn't work out because um, of my eye condition, um, mm. which is okay. But, you know, God closed the door and opened a window. And I started working at cons while trying to join the Coast Guard and um, just doing sales there, selling furniture, appliances, electronics, and really enjoying it. And um, the competitiveness in there because there's always a leaderboard. I really enjoyed that, too. Yeah. Um, especially, like, playing sports as a kid. I was never really that good. So to find one that's, like, almost like a sport in a way and be good at it feels feels good to me. So I was there four years, two years sales, two years as manager. And when I went to manager, it just was like a really change of perspective in the business instead of, you know, being the one who's performing and, you know, you get more more so pats on the back, I guess, as a salesperson, because once you're the manager, everything rolls downhill and you're like a well-paid babysitter, I guess. You're babysitting this, this whole uh, staff yeah. of people almost. So I did that for two years and they kept, you know, teasing me a little bit with the next move and it never happened. So... I had some friends in car sales that told me to give it a try. I went into it, and it's really been great for me. Um, working for the company I work for, they're very family-oriented. Um, they take really good care of their employees and their customers. So mm. as opposed to where I worked before, I didn't really feel that way all the time. Sometimes felt that the company had maybe an unfair edge against consumers in some ways. Yeah. So then going to this, it feels they, they treat their uh, customers and employees a lot better. So it makes me feel better about my job, too, compared to other places. Definitely. But I, I really enjoy it and uh, work with a lot of people I like. Um, hours aren't as terrible as they used to be either. So it's pretty yeah. good. I really enjoy it. That's cool, man. I, I did radio ad sales for a while when mm-hmm. I first started working for the radio station. And I was not great at it. Yeah. And mostly because it was a smaller town, you know, and both of my parents were business owners. My dad still is, and my mom was for a while. Mm-hmm. And I would remember as a kid the radio salesperson coming into their store and 
we would do some advertising on the radio, but it was like usually the amount of money that you have to invest in radio ads, it's just difficult. I mean, like you got to pay quite a bit to mm-hmm. have something that's going to be effective, you mm-hmm. know? And it was, I just had so much more fun being on air yeah. than trying to get customers on air. Yeah. And I like making commercials and stuff. And I think it's important to advertise if you have a business, but I just got way more enjoyment out of it. Mm-hmm. And my boss could tell that I excelled a bit more as an on-air mm-hmm. personality and making commercials and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Sales is tricky because I feel like you have to be a people person mm-hmm. to a degree, but then also have that sort of like competitive mm-hmm. spirit. And yeah, so I'm not very competitive. <clears throat> There's definitely, for me, like I, I enjoy it in that aspect because like I said, it was never super good at sports, even though I'm tall, but I'm real lanky, I guess. And yeah. I'm very coordinated. So um, to have something like that was really good. And I feel I'm not like a super people person. Um, I do feel pretty reserved, but I feel like when I'm in that scenario, I've got to the point where when I'm in a sales environment, um, I just kind of force myself to go talk to people. Yeah. Um, and then often when I find myself like going out at times, I won't nearly approach people the same way. I'll just be like, you know, kind of to myself because it's like I force that side of myself throughout the day, you know, eight hours or whatever it may be. And mm. then if I go out, my body's like, oh, no more forcing yourself to talk to people. Yeah. So I kind of <laughs> kind of pull back in. But I feel you don't necessarily have to be a super people person. Um, but if you can get yourself to at least put in, be in that role. Yeah. Then yeah. And I guess that's, I mean, that's any job. You sort of have to get yourself mm-hmm. in the right headspace to do something mm-hmm. maybe you don't feel naturally inclined towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard with it because it's like there's a fear of rejection with it too because right. you get told no way more times than, you know, you get told yes. Totally. And um, that can that can be something where it's like, oh, you know, I don't want to go out and approach it because I fear they're going to say no already. So then you kind of hold yourself back. So mm-hmm. getting past that at least, even if you're not a people person, that's what would make it you know easier too. Yeah. The fear of rejection is so interesting because mm-hmm. I feel like we've all got it, you know, like nobody likes to be mm-hmm. rejected, but it really is something that seems you can work and train yourself to get past. Yeah. Because like if the worst that can happen is you being told no, that is not that bad. Yeah. You know, like in the grand scheme of things, yeah. being told no is kind of nice because then it's like, okay, cool. Then see ya. You get the answer. Yeah. yeah it's like, I don't have to, I'm not going to try realign. and be annoying and change your no to a yes necessarily like mm. if it's a direct no and that's it then okay yeah see ya yeah no you can be it's sometimes just an answer is good yeah know. i think a lot of that happens like in growing up and with relationships and stuff mm-hmm. so many times as a kid we're scared to like tell the girl we like that we like her because it's almost more fun just to have the crush yeah you know and to like hope that maybe she does as well. But then how many times have relationships been lost or just time wasted and thoughts wasted because somebody was afraid of being told no? Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you're, you're really you're telling yourself no if you don't approach it already. Right. You've, you've already got a no, you know, try and get a yes in yeah. whatever it may be. Mm. Man. Well, cool, dude. Uh, how about church? You ever go to church? Um, <clears throat> I don't really. I've been, I've been to church, you know. Um, I was course, born, born you're Catholic. In Texas. Uh, yeah, born Catholic, <laughs> baptized and everything, and then kind of separated away from it for years because um, my stepfather wasn't super religious because his father was, and he felt, I guess, maybe that was kind of pushed onto him. So we were never mm. like going to church, things like that. Sometimes, very rarely. Um, but I feel that I've found more of my spirituality 
later in life, um, especially after that. Carson and I had about five years ago, you know, really feeling reborn and like, you know, God's watching out for me. It's given me more purpose to go or more desire to go and whether pursue the church, you know, be involved in the church, listening, um, or just working on my own personal relationship with God. Um, so I've lately been going to the Hare Krishna temple every Sunday, um, mm-hmm. and they do meditation, chanting, um, and I feel like there's a lot of universal truth in it. Like I try to take points from different religions because I think there can be universal truths in each little aspect of or of any religion. You know, each yeah. one has their own their own truths, which can play together. Um, so I've been doing that. We meditate, chant, sing, eat lunch, and talk about life. Um, it's really been really good for me. And then throughout the week, I listen to um, church radio essentially every day. Wow. Yeah. Church radio, like Catholic church yeah, radio? Yeah, no, um, I'll probably, well, I feel like it's almost, every time I bring it up, people are all, what? But uh, Joel Osteen. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he's got a bad rap, but I don't, I don't he know. Da- I mean, it's so, so do all televangelists. Yeah, and it's sad to me, too, like, so much of Christianity, it seems, has been boiled down to just Christians sort of bad-talking other Christians, yeah. you know, or like bashing televangelists or things mm-hmm. like that. And even if you don't agree with someone's theology or the way that they teach necessarily, mm-hmm. I still think there's so much that the church has been missing out on. And I mean the church as a whole, and specifically like the American church, they've been missing out on the primary purpose, which is we agree on the same yeah. core principles, you know? And so let's celebrate what we agree on and then focus on loving our neighbors, mm-hmm. you know, because I think we like we've the church has been so robbed by Christians trying to specify the exact yeah. way you're supposed to it do it. It can be very adversarial among them, yeah. you know, which is it's disappointing. Yeah, well it makes Jesus look so ugly, <laughs> yeah. you know, and like it's such a misrepresentation, I feel. Exactly. Yeah. Man. But I I well, try to cool. kind of play them play them all into it because I mean in reading the books of Krishna or about Krishna in the Hare Krishna monks, because it's Hindu-based. Um, a lot of it seems, you know, universal truths about self-realization um, and just wanting to do devotional service. That's like a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I have out of things that I've read, um, some books recently, like I read All About Love by, um, I can't think of the name of the, the writer right now, but a really good book. Um, and it talks about you know, what love is, is just doing service for others. It's not, you know, things or anything like that. All that we desire um, doing service is like the best way to achieve real happiness. Mm. Um, and you get a different feeling from that. I think different, even when you get down to it, hormones or something are released when you do service to others that causes, you know, a happiness reaction. So that's a big thing in Hare Krishna. And as it led to me spreading that to the other sides of my life, always wanting to do things good and just do it for God, you know, or for Krishna or for, you know, just to be better and just to do good, um, just to do it, you know, not seeking any praise for it or anything. And it makes, that makes me feel good, you know, knowing that it's just for God. It's something personal. I just do it for God. You know, I don't have to tell anybody about it or anything like that. And I feel like that's what feels really good and has translated for me from Hare Krishna and Hinduism to Christianity and kind of shaping my belief, my own personal belief with God. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know much about Hare Krishna and that, like, tradition Mm -hmm. and stuff, but I do, I have an interest in a lot of, like, the Eastern traditions and whatnot. Yeah. Because I think there is, like, I really do believe that God is so much more involved and bigger than we've mm-hmm. made him out to be, you know? Or, And it's, like, I don't think it's wrong of people to explore and kind of 
question and be mm-hmm. curious about, you know, what do they believe on the other side of the mm-hmm. world? Strictly almost because of where they were born, mm-hmm. you know, because there's so many things that are so uncontrollable in each of our lives as far as like what, like just existing alone. Yeah. Like each and every one of us is here, not by the choice of our own. And then we're a skin color that we didn't choose. And we were born in a particular place that we didn't choose. Mm -hmm. And there's just all of these factors that play into how our life rolls out. And I just find it fascinating. And Mm -hmm. I think anybody that is like locked up or refuses to even wonder about other beliefs or what goes on or what it's like to just be somewhere else or someone else, I, I really think you kind of miss out on a lot of mm-hmm. like expanding of your own self and understanding. Yeah. It's disappointing to me when people like aren't willing to even entertain any other, any other, uh, thought, you know, like, yeah, um, it's not like they have to dedicate themselves yeah. to it, you know, or like bow to another God, mm-hmm. but just wonder. Yeah. You know? Like I remember one time I, I'm sure it's some, someone greater who quoted it, but a friend of mine told me of a quote that he read where, um, to be a wise man is to be able to entertain an idea without accepting it. Or entertain a thought without accepting it, you know. So, yeah. to to be able to do that, and I don't. One thing I think that has always been kind of a rooted thing in how I have my relationship with God is, it's not going to be like you know. I don't know if anybody's seen that South Park episode, or if you've seen the South Park <laughs> episode where at the end it's like they're all waiting, almost like at the gates of hell, and they're guessing which religion was going to be right. Was it Hinduism, Islam, Buddhism, Christianity, Catholicism, Judaism? You know, and then they just have a thing at the end and they choose one religion. And those are the only people who come to the promised land. Everybody else, sorry, you lost. You know, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be if you're a good person, you know, and you dedicate yourself to being good and good to others. Um, I think, you know, you'll you'll be well off. You know, it's not it's not going to be just because you believed, say, someone who believes in Islam, you know, and they're an epitome of a great human being. They're not just going to go to hell or, you know, to a forsaken land because they believed in that. If they were truly good, they'll go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting and wild to think about because I, so often I hear people say like, if you're a good person, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some truth to that, but I also think there needs to come a realization in each of us where we have to understand it's beyond good and evil even, you know, where even me striving to be a good person does not necessarily make me a good person Mm -hmm. entirely. You know, like that's where I I love so much about the, the gospel of Christ is this idea of being clothed in the righteousness of Christ and realizing that like, I'm not a good person, Mm -hmm. but thank God that God loves me, you know, enough to come and exemplify what it is to be like the perfect human, Mm -hmm. you know, and even if that's reminding me like, oh, I'm incapable of that, but I want to surrender to the needing of help, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's a lot of it too, is just the practice of humility and realizing I can't figure this all out on my own, you know? Like mm-hmm. I really can't have all the answers and the certainty to yeah. know for sure, you know? And mm-hmm. that to me feels like a big, just to be able to admit, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm not certain. But I, and that's kind of the practice of faith, I guess. Any faith is realizing, like, it's just a trust in the unknown almost. Yeah, I think that's really true. Like, I had a, at work, I had, me and a few coworkers were sitting there talking, and um, one guy came over who's 
kind of portrays himself, you know, religiously. He really shows on social media when he's often going to church and things. And he said some comment that um, I guess could be perceived as more negative. I don't remember what he said. But one of my friends who was sitting with me said, man, you know, shouldn't say that. Aren't you a good guy who goes to church? And he says, well, do you go to the hospital, you know, when you're not sick? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't. Why do you go to the hospital? Because you're sick. Why do you go to church? Because you need help. Yeah. You know, you need that that love from God and to, to know that you're not perfect, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing, too, where so often people can get a perception of someone and then just kind of watch them almost like with a microscope mm-hmm. and wait for them to make a mistake. And yeah. you're like, eh. You're exactly. a hypocrite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, Everyone's oh, waiting for that almost. Yeah. yeah. With canceling and, and everything. Right. And so it's like... Yeah, it gets hard because we're all going to make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know? you know, and um, you just got to ask for forgiveness for whatever, you know, yeah, your sins. Learn. Learn, exactly. And just try to be better. Mm-hmm. You know? Man. So you had a car accident. What mm. year was that? That was 2017. Nice. And um, like, July. How how bad of an accident? Um, it was pretty pretty intense. I wish I had a photo of it so to show. Or just like the car after the fact. So me and um, me and uh, two friends and my girlfriend at the time went up to Colorado. Um, and we're up there smoking a bunch of pot. Mine is just five Classic. years ago. Classic. <laughs> and um, Classic Colorado. Coming, yeah, coming back, get into some trouble, get pulled over. My girlfriend and my friend get arrested. I stay the night. My one friend wow. flies back to San Antonio. Yeah, probably going too fast for how much drama it was. But then I stay there. Um, my friend's mom flies in, we bail them out, um, and then start driving back. And my friend's mom drives for a little bit, and then he switches off and drives one of my friend who was in jail the night before. Probably not the best mind, you know, mindset, being probably didn't sleep much and everything. So he drives for a while, <clears throat> and we're all sleeping in the car. And I'm even laying down in the back seat with my, you know, without my seatbelt on, laying on my girlfriend at the time's lap, and um, my friend falls asleep while driving, uh, veers off the highway. We're coming down from, like, Kerrville. Excuse me. Oh, so pretty close. Um, yeah, that's about where the accident happened because um, we had our trouble in Amarillo and then got fairly close. We're about Kerrville. And he falls asleep, veers off the highway, clips a tree, which sends us into a roll. And I remember waking up, you know, like, bouncing around. Uh, um, and I'm very lucky, you know, I didn't get chopped in half or something, not having a seatbelt on being there. And they doctors said that, you know, we didn't get as hurt because of, being asleep, you know, you're more limber, just like when drunk drivers get in accidents, often they're okay. Right. Um, so it kind of played in that that same aspect. So we like came to a stop. My girlfriend at the time got ejected, even though she had her seatbelt on. She was very small, five foot, 110 pounds or something. Somehow yeah. gets ejected out of the back. Ugh. Breaks her arm, has a concussion. I um, wake up like upside down in the car and crawl out and I'm get up and I'm like, man, you know, what's going on? My friend's mom's still in the passenger seat. So I just start op- pulling the door to get it open. People are starting to pull over. And um, get her out. And then I'm like, man, I really got to lay down. And I laid down. And um, then it's, you know, really couldn't get up past that. I fractured my pelvis in three places. Uh, oh, my gosh. Um, so they took me in the ambulance to whatever local Kerrville hospital was, which doesn't have a big trauma center. And, like, I couldn't move my legs at that point. And I had this, this beauty scar I have here on my hand that's also kind of from it, from the broken glass. And then so they don't have a lot of trauma there. My parents drive down. You know, it's like 4 or 5 in the morning. And they're like, hey, we got to take him to Bamsey in San Antonio. So they airlift me from there to Bamsey. Um, and I'm there for three, four days, just laying down, not being able to move, a bunch of drugs, x-rays. Um, and they said my fractures hadn't separated very much, you know, less than a few millimeters. Wow. So they were going to try and see about not having surgery, um, which is, you know, where things can always get more complicated. So 
they let me just stay there for a few days and then had me try and get up and like move with a walker. So I just like got up and took two steps and went and sat back down. They waited a couple more days to see if it'd separate and it hadn't. So no surgery, you know, and then I went and stayed with my grandparents because um, they had a one story house and um, learned yeah. to walk again, you know, going through physical therapy, not being, you know, I'd get home and like uh, I'd have to have my like my grandparents would have to move my legs into, you know, to get out and then to get into bed. Um, it was a very difficult time. And I remember, you know, I had a lot of religious experiences then. And my real name's like, or my middle name's Hunter. That's what I went by until about this accident. Um, Cause I really felt like I was reborn, you know, like a yeah. different person. Like I really had a guardian angel looking out for me. And cause Clay's my father's name mm. and he passed when I was very young. So I don't never really used his name. It was almost kind of like I hid it from myself, but I came yeah. out, you know, survived. I feel like him, him watching over me had a lot of power in that. Um, or whatever guardian angels I do have, lost family members and friends, and I felt very blessed. So I kind of went and wore it more as a suit of armor, if you will, like, you know, mm -hmm. not scared of it. And it wasn't like I was hiding it when I was a kid. It was that his name was Clay, my name was Clay. It would have been confusing to call us both Clay because um, right. I'm not like a junior, but it's pretty much the same name. So they called me Hunter, and that's, and then, mm -hmm. yeah. So it was learning to walk again, physical therapy, um, the zero gravity treadmills and everything, and and worked through it. Um, I had a really good partner at the time and she helped me get through a lot of it and, um, you know, started getting into sales after that. And then, you wow. know, God closed the door and, and opened a window. And it took me about, you know, six months or more to fully recover. And I still kind of had a limp for a while, but then after a few years, you know, it totally dissipated. Hmm. And now my only thing is this scar on my hand, which yeah. isn't too terrible or anything by any means. Right. So very, very blessed. But yeah, those out of the accident my friend and his mom just had like some bruising um i think his mom had a broken rib but other than that like everyone was okay so sometimes i say you know i feel blessed that the worst happened to me you know it wasn't any worse for anyone yeah you know which because mine was bad but it wasn't like you know i'm, I'm not dead i'm not you know have, have any severe life issues seriously yeah man i think so often that a near-death experience is one of the best things that can happen yeah. to a person just because I don't know. It seems to really lead to a greater sense of gratitude mm -hmm. and just kind of remembering like, wow, what a wonder it is to exist, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. No, it, it helped me a lot. And I even said to some family members one time, you know, I'm very grateful for, you know, it happening because I wouldn't yeah. be who I am or where I am today without it happening the way that it did. Definitely. Man. Well, I'm glad you're alive. Clay. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. But oh. yeah, and then... Life's just been just been moving on since. Yeah. I, I think because I was going to college at that time, sometimes I think about going back to school, um, which obviously I'd encourage everybody to do, you know. Yeah. But, well, I mean, I guess not really because <laughs> you can do whatever you can do whatever you want, honestly. Right. <laughs> um, I still haven't gone to college. Yeah. I think I'd enjoy it, but I still haven't. Yeah. I have done. like a lot of credits. Like I'd only have to go back for like two years um, to finish and get a bachelor's. But it's like, I don't know. I'm. If I did go back, I wouldn't go back for what I was going for. I wouldn't go back for finance because yeah. it was all monetarily motivated to me. And now later in my life, I'm like, you know, that's not as big a deal to me. You know, I just want to do something I enjoy or, or I'm happy with. Yeah. So I, yeah. I don't know what I'd go back for, but I think about it. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I might go someday. It's hard for me to decide what I'd <clears throat> go for. And it's also like I can learn so much without, without going, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. and I feel like that's what a lot of people are realizing mm -hmm. even more. And it feels also that a lot of colleges or just like the university mm -hmm. world is sort of a lot of brainwashing. You know, we're like trying to get yeah. everyone on the same page, be it politically or just, I don't know, ideology. It mm -hmm. seems that like 
they try to tell you this is how you're supposed to think. Yeah. And don't go outside of that or you'll be ostracized, you know? Yeah, it can be very, you know, one-minded. Um, and I guess in the college life scene, yeah. it feels almost. And I, I don't know. I just, I think it's good for people to discover what they believe in their mm-hmm. worldview, you know, without like pressure from... From anything else. Yeah, yeah and just yeah. from like what is going to make them feel accepted, mm-hmm. you know, among their peers. So. Yeah. Cause that's what all that, like high school and all that, all that really is. But I mean, it plays into all parts of life too. Like even in the workplace, you know, you feel like, For sure. I feel like that's kind of there too, that you need to fit in among everybody. Yeah. Cause it's like, like you said, you get ostracized and that yeah. goes for all those aspects. And it, yeah, it's like that fear of rejection even. Of, yeah, exactly. I don't want to be that. the, I don't want to be the outcast, you know, mm-hmm. or the one that's not accepted or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the human nature of it. Yeah. That's something we can all work on. Definitely. But it is, yeah, there's a lot of value in just being different, Mm -hmm. you know? Sometimes it's important to be ostracized and outcast. Yeah, no, and I think once you realize that, that can be huge, you know, for your your life. Like, that's something I've tried to definitely focus on more in the past two years of my life is just, you know, I don't care necessarily if somebody likes me. You know, I want to be myself. I don't want to be that, a fake version of myself, you know, to to get that friendship, you know? Yeah, man. So wild. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you watch the Oscars? I did. I did. I watched. Well, I mean, it was it was on. My grandparents were watching it. I didn't go in there for a while, and then I came in and watched some of it. And uh, yeah, I, I saw pretty much to the end, towards the best picture. You know, nice. after like the first hour. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I just saw all the, the highlight reel. all the stuff about <laughs> Will Smith and Chris exactly. Rock. Yeah. And as I was trying to fall asleep last night, I was thinking, like, surely that was all like he, Will and Chris are both actors. Like, that was all an act, right? But I don't know, man. I don't know. I really don't know if it was. Either way, it seems unnecessary. Yeah, it seems likely that it could have been scripted, but it was either way, like you said, very unnecessary. Um, had you watched the the videos of it and the full thing? I mean, yeah, he was Will Smith was pretty aggressive, so I don't think it was scripted. I don't know. But it was it but was he very also bad won on both parts. I feel Oscar for best actor, so you know he's a good actor. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. So about that, yeah. You know, if ever somebody was going to seem mad when maybe they weren't actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, could yeah be. I don't know. It's wild, but and uh, yeah, it's, it, it seems like there's already been enough said about it all, or mm-hmm. whatever, or just like it almost felt like a sort of like meme producer for the internet, you know? Yeah, like the photos of it. No, yeah. Thing that happened so that the internet could have more memes. But. Yeah, I saw one uh, where it had like the picture of Kanye and Taylor Swift and it had this one next to it. I'm like, yeah, this is, it's another, you know, 10 years later, let's yeah. do it again. That's what it's almost like. Just shock and awe kind of. But yeah, and then his, it was funny. Or not funny, but, you know, he had to give the speech. I was like, oh God, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was really strange. But man... Yeah, I saw. I actually saw when I came in here that what's his name, um, Will Smith issued an apology. But I think it was bad on both both parts. You know, bad taste joke, um, but also the way he reacted definitely not how you should react at all. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's such a weird th- Crazy. thing to think about because like I don't know. I feel like they're all friends. You yeah, know, in the first place, and yeah, there's like comedians pictures of them together and everything. Yeah, and that's jokes, his job. You know, yeah, yeah. but. And it's kind of, you know, a little roasty in there. It's like, you know, they poke in the Oscars. Yeah. Alopecia, too, isn't it? I wrote a a song in high school when I was part of a band 
called Easy on the Eyes, mm-hmm. and we had a song called Native Americans mm-hmm. because my high school mascot was the Indians, the mm-hmm. Oscaloosa Indians. And I remember I wrote a lyric that was, if I was a Native American, I'd try to get with Sacagawea, I'd cut off your scalp like you had alopecia. Which today, I would not sing that song <laughs> because it would not be culturally appropriate, yeah, you know? I, yeah. But I, that's, I had seen a movie where I learned about alopecia, mm. and I was like, wow, that's a fun word. Yeah. It rhymes it's a pretty, with Sacagawea. Pre- pretty hard bar, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But lesson learned. I don't need to sing that song yeah. anymore. Maybe it was just because I was a part of the, the Indians at Oskaloosa High School, yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't know if they'll ever change that mascot. I think there's some pressure, but also in Iowa, it's crazy how much people on the coasts of America just don't even think about the middle of America. Mm-hmm. And to think, too, you ever think of just how rural of a country we live in? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's There's a lot of land that's almost just like unused or just yeah. you know, rolling hills. There's so much empty space here, and... So many people in the bubbles of the cities mm-hmm. of America just seem to totally forget that there's a whole there's other a very world. Vast, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. life is so different mm-hmm. in small town America than it is in big city America, you mm-hmm. know? And I think it's, I love just the contrast and to be able to kind of experience the diversity Both. of it all. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. The small town uh, environment is very, very cool. Like yeah. I went to Beeville. Um, a week or so ago, and very you know sleepy small little town, but you know it has a beauty to it. Yeah, you know? and I I appreciate the pace, you know, the kind of just slow down in a city. Yeah. Everything feels so much more Faster hectic and everything. busy, yeah. and everybody's trying to get somewhere all the time. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it, it's so nice and calm, and that's like yeah. how the whole state of Iowa feels. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah, why are you in a hurry, man? Yeah. It's all they're all you go. Yeah, oh, you go. Yeah, no, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'd be it. nice if that was as, as widespread as it should be. Right. But I don't know. People are wild, man. Yeah. It gets so crowded. and seems an interesting lifestyle to, to live, too. I would love to experience that at one point in my life. You yeah. Know, just that, that environment like that. Kind of calm you down. Know? Like Derek, he's you know living with the Hare Krishna monks in Mississippi right now. Is that what he's doing? Yeah. I was wondering, yeah. Yeah, so he's been there like a month now, almost, I think. Wow. Yeah. How's he liking it? Uh, it seems like he loves it. Um, yeah. Talk to him about once a week. Cool. Um, and he seems like he's really enjoying it. You know, they uh, do a temple every morning. You know, he does his chanting and songs throughout the day, too, which really, really great. Um, the mantra, the Hare Krishna mantra is definitely something that feels, you know, when you chant it, it feels like a holy sound. Sound hmm. um, Definitely helps me ground myself. So he does that for some, an hour or so. I want to say he counts, maybe, I think the last he told me was about 10 rounds is what he could do. Um, and it's where you count. You have these beads. It's a full bead necklace has 128 beads, and you count each one, and you say the chant each time, um, which it's like four or five lines, you know, mm-hmm. or two-word lines. So it's, you know, 10 to, 15, 10 to 12 words probably. And um, he'll do that, and then he'll do service there, like cleaning the dishes he's volunteered to do. He's going to do a class with some of the homeless kids, or the not the homeschooled kids, <laughs> totally differently. Yeah. Homeschooled kids on how to do make macrame and bracelets, which I'm sure you've seen that he's done. Yeah. He's really good at it. Um, so been doing that, and... Seems like he's really enjoying it. It's just, and he works on the, it's a farm. It's like a community, if you will. Yeah. So they have a farm and um, they're building a new temple and they make ointments, oils, you know, um, different salves and things like that. 
Um, and of course they, they farm as well. So it seems, seems to be really nice. And he just lives there for free, just does work there, you know, and there's a community of people that, that do that as well. Mm. And it seems really, really nice. I don't, when I speak to him, he's kind of made the, the signal that he's like, man, I kind of want to stay here forever. You know, that's yeah. what he says when people ask him how long he wants to stay, he tells them forever and they get so happy. So he really enjoys that and says it's such a great community and everyone's nice there and just nice mm. to each other and supportive. And, um, yeah, so I don't know. So I kind of asked him, and he doesn't know if he's going to come back to San Antonio because it's, like, so so great up there. He's definitely encouraging me to come up as well. It seems like a great environment, just not conducive to my current lifestyle. For sure. But for him, it seems like it's doing him a world of good. It seems like he really enjoys it. And I think it's a very honorable thing to do, Yeah. Too. Have you ever done any kind of communal living like that? I think communal living is super, yeah. super important and valuable. It is. I wish it was more common you yeah know, i wish it was you know and i feel like that's maybe how things were very early on in humanity and i mean even in other cultures latin america um you know europe and you know asia and africa it's it, the family environment or the communal environment is so much closer you know mm-hmm. it's very tied together everybody's life dependent they're they're just home a lot more and you know interact a lot more just with all each other or to help each other for the community yeah i wish that was more more prominent here definitely something i I think is beautiful. Yeah. It's really interesting because I think there's like something about America in particular is sort of this spirit of the individual, Mm -hmm. you know, that each and every one of us is kind of out for ourselves and like you can make it and you can do whatever you want because you as an individual are important and Mm -hmm. powerful or whatever. But I really, I really think there's a, a crucial need for the balance there of realizing the beauty of individuality Mm -hmm. and like as a single person, you do have agency and you can do things, but you will burn out without community, you know, and without um, just like healthy surrounding. Mm -hmm. And I find myself, it's so much easier for me to live with more discipline and structure when I have that communal setting. Yeah. Like when there's others around me when I share every meal that I have and when, um, you know, like there's a schedule to when we Mm -hmm. all meet together and things like that. It really does just create such an easier environment for Mm -hmm. personal discipline, I feel. Yeah, it definitely um, is is a good lifestyle. And uh, just like you said, being around people all the time, it's a human need, you know, like water, food or anything. You yeah, know, it's relationships. definitely something. Yeah, it it uh, it almost charges you up too. You know, the more you're involved in others, it it feels healthier because it totally. is something you know that's conditioned into us. You know, the community. Yeah, and then that too goes back to the idea of service and whatnot. Because mm-hmm. I really do think that uh, to serve others does so much for the server, even you know, yeah, just as a way exactly. of giving them the fulfillment of like being there for others, you know, mm-hmm. and helping others. Yeah, it seems it's just it's a uh, much such a good feeling you know to give you know yeah um i i think that's a huge thing mm-hmm. yeah man that's awesome well gosh dude right on <laughs> uh do you have any uh we've been talking for about 40 minutes already mm-hmm. so do you have any songs let's take a break and we'll maybe come back next hour and talk some more okay if you got time Sounds i don't know what good, you man. gotta do but yeah. what's a what's a song you've been enjoying lately oh um I know I'm putting you on the yeah, spot. Yeah, one that came up recently. Well, oh, uh, Antonio's song um, by Michael Franks. Cool. Kind of a play on some bossa nova, you know, Brazilian uh, jazz, if you will. Nice. 
Um, he takes a lot of his things. It's actually about, or it's based off of Antonio Carlos Jobim. That's why it's Antonio's song. Cool. Yeah. All right, here's Antonio's song, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Oops, I Miss Church, and we'll be right back. Just a quick gentle reminder to you, lovely listener. If you want to hear the music featured on Oops, I Miss Church, tune in every Sunday, 3 to 5, at RadioKMZN.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are. It's the second hour now, and I'm here still with my friend, Clay. Awesome. Happy to be here. Heck yeah, Clay. Happy to have you. Clay and I were just talking. He said he loves to talk about his grandparents because of the particular story. You said they've been married 65 years? Yeah, they've been married 65 years. They met in Germany um, in my grandma's hometown in, I want to say... um, 54, 55. I think it was, no, it was 54. They got married in 57. Wow. Mm-hmm. And um, my grandma grew up there in that town through World War II and everything and um, stayed there after the war while they rebuilt it and worked there. And at one point she had gone to England. Um, she couldn't to find work. And, oh, she was like, couldn't, couldn't hold weight. So we went to the doctor and doctors didn't know as much then as they do now, I'm sure. And she couldn't put on weight, so they told her maybe a change of climate, you know, will work. So hmm. they told her, you know, go to England. So she found a job there as a nanny, helped raise this little boy. She calls him her Philip for maybe a year or two, and um, then came back. And she learned a lot of English there as he was, you know, a toddler learning to speak as well. So she was able to pick up a lot of English there. So when she came back, she was able to get an interview um, as an operator at the Army base, the U.S. Army base, because she could speak English. So went to her interview and ironically the lady who was interviewing was from England as well so she got she got a kick out of her having an English accent and being you know a German person uh-huh. when she was speaking English so she hired her and worked there for some time and my grandpa was the gate guard and um, she would have to come through his gate every day he was a military police he joined joined the army um, some years after he or after he was in the Navy because he did the Navy for four years without knowing how to swim which is a pretty, pretty impressive feat in this in itself yeah, how do you even so they have, a, I guess, a, a swimming te- um, test that you have to pass. And um, when they started boot camp or whatever they call it for the Navy, they um, said, everybody who can't swim, okay, come over here. You're going to have to go to you know, remedial classes after we do all our workout and everything for the day. So we'd have to go to these classes every you know, night and um, got tired of it. So he told the petty officer who was training, hey, what do I got to do to get you know, through this class so I don't have to come every night? He says, you got to get from this end of the pool to that end of the pool, the shallow end to the deep end. And he goes, well, I can't do that. I can't swim. And he said, I don't care if you walk. So he oh, always wow. jokes and says, I might have. So I think he kind of bounced his way <laughs> from one end to the other and um, stayed in four years. It wasn't for him being out, stuck out in the ocean on an aircraft carrier and left and came back and joined the Army. And he was a military police in the beginning. So that's where he met my grandma. And she'd come through the gate every day because um, it was right near her post or wherever she was working. And she would always wear black because her father had passed away that year. So in Germany, when somebody close to you um, passes away, you go into mourning. So they were going, they were in mourning, and she'd wear black every day. And she'd come through the gate, and he always noticed it. And he said, one day, he worked up the courage, hey, why do you wear black every day? Well, because my dad died. So, you know, not hmm. the best initial pickup line. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he really liked her, I guess, from my understanding. So he kept pestering her, um, trying to get her to hang out with him, calling up to the operator and um, from the gate, and she'd hang up on him because there's no personal phone calls allowed. It's not allowed. It's a personal phone call. It's not business. So she'd hang up on him. Finally, she, I guess, stays on the phone. So he starts asking her out, hey, you know, 
why don't we go eat something? Oh, I don't like to go eat. <laughs> uh, calls her back. So why don't we go see a movie? Oh, I don't like to go see movies. All right. Well, why don't we go to the you know, snack stand together and just get a snack? And I don't like snacks. Well, what do you like to do? He finally asked her. Um, well, I like to clean. So you can come over and help me clean on Saturday on our day off if you want. We can hang out then. So Saturday comes around. She's home with her mom, living with her mom. And she tells her, hey, some GI might come by later. She doesn't think anything of it. Goes takes a nap. Her mom wakes her up a couple, three, four hours later. Um, and he comes in after what should have been a 45 minute walk turned into three hours because it was blizzarding like a foot of oh, snow wow. and somehow finds her place based on address only comes in. I guess she felt bad for him and they kept, you know, hanging out since then. And she told him, Hey, I'd like to learn more English, you know, and about the military as it's being my job. Um, and he wanted to learn more German so he could understand it, obviously living in Germany. So that's how they started spending time together. And Dated for, you know, a year or so while he was in his deployment because they met, I guess, a year into his first, you know, two years uh, served there. And um, they were spending time together and time came to an end at the end of the year. And he said, hey, you know, I want to go. You know, I want you to come back to America with me. Marry me. And she said, no, I'm not. I've got everything I need here. I've got my job. I've got my furniture. I don't need to go anywhere. I want a boring life is what she says. Hmm. Um, she dumps him. They break up. He said he doesn't take that as an answer, though. He resigns for another two years in Germany and stays. Wow. She tells him, hey, you know, why don't you go date my sister? Um, she likes movies. She likes reading books. That's stuff you like, which he still does to this day. And um, so he goes and dates her sister for two, three weeks, I guess. They go on a couple <laughs> things, but don't hit it off. So um, he starts to get creative, and he says his, her mom was always on his side. She really liked him. <laughs> so he, you know, started talking to her about it and even talked to her boss at the base um, that, you know, hey, tell her, you know, that we should be together or that we should, you know, should get back together, so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, they get back together. She gives them another try. And they keep dating for the next two years. And then after that, um, she said yes and came to America with him. Wow. And, um, yeah, they've been here. Well, they moved around the U.S. a lot early on. Um, but then after 1971, they came down here on a weekend trip and found a home and have been there since. So 51 years there the now. Same home? Same home. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they said, um, excuse me, once we buy, once we find somewhere we want to stay, you know, we're going to stay there. We don't want to move around anymore after mm. moving so much in the military, you know, every two years or so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and they've Man. been married since, had four children. And um, my grandpa had to go to Korea and Vietnam. So a lot of that, my grandma was over here in the U.S., you know, an immigrant <clears throat> and raising three boys by herself at a time. Because my mom came in 1970 after my grandpa was pretty much out of the military. Mm. Um, so, so they're you know. your mom's parents? Correct. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Man. So, yeah, it's, it's a crazy so and it's cool. all the way over, you know, on the, other, on the other side of the world too. Yeah, and it's awesome that you've gotten to spend so much time with him mm -hmm. and get to know the story so well. Yeah. I, my family has moved around quite a bit just because we liked to and we like change and whatnot. Um, but I never <clears> lived <throat> in the same place as my grandparents mm -hmm. my whole life. And, and they were like, my parents had me when they were 39. And so my grandparents were already quite old mm -hmm. when I was born. Um, and so that I kind of, I'm, I would have liked to know more of their stories, you know, just through getting to yeah. talk with them. But I was also pretty young. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, no, of course it's, it's difficult. I'm very, yeah. I feel very blessed to have the opportunity to learn their stories, you know, their childhoods of, you know, their relationship and everything. I feel very lucky. And, um, that's why one of the reasons I, you know, decided to move back with them. Um, 
So, because also when I had my car accident, you know, they were the ones who were there for me more than anyone that helped me, you know, get back on my feet, gave me somewhere to stay and encouraged me. Yeah. Um, words of affirmation that allowed me to believe in myself and, you know, come back. Cause I ran out of money and everything. That's why I stopped going to school. And so I have that commitment to them, which, you know, it's like an unspoken thing, but I'm going to stay by their side until they're gone. For sure. You know, and, um, after, you know, cause I, like I said, I kept an apartment while living with them for some time and, um, getting ready of it and just being with them entirely. Now it's very rewarding, you know, and it, and I know just having someone around cause I'm the only person in the family who's really like closer to them, you know, in the town, everybody's a lot further away, mm-hmm. whether it's different cities or, you know, different things. So yeah, I'm very, very lucky. And I feel, um, it's good to be around them and to help serve them, you know, when, when they were there for me. For sure. Yeah. That's so cool, man. That's, that's something interesting to me too, about like Asian cultures. I think it's like the standard for the grandparents to move in with the mm-hmm. family, you know. Yeah, I think it is much more common in that culture. Yeah. And I could see that being difficult, you know, for various mm-hmm. reasons. But also, like, I feel like so many old people have just been basically, like, corralled into yeah. nursing homes. Exactly. And they're maybe not miserable, you know, but I feel like life in a nursing... Like, my mom and dad never want to be put in a nursing mm-hmm. home. And I can't blame them, you know, because I feel like it would just... Like, just to go somewhere where it's yeah, like, it's yeah, like we're all just here waiting to die, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, it's kind of... Yeah, it's like a death sentence. Almost. Yeah. And my parents are super adventurous and want to, like, yeah. never stop, you know? Yeah. So. And I mean, when you keep going like that, like I said, 88, 90 years old, and they're as active as they are, you yeah. know? They're... It's, it's very, it's amazing. Uh, very, yeah, crazy. And I'm happy, especially now with things more so back open up because I was definitely worried during COVID that, you know, them, the gym being closed, they're not being able to be there would uh, affect them. But luckily they stayed active, kept going on walks and stuff until yeah. things kind of lifted. Man. And honestly, just a, a marriage that lasts that long, I think is something to celebrate because it's just yeah. the divorce rate is so oh. high, you know? And yeah. It's a life lifetime within itself. Yeah. And that's funny. She was like, yeah, we never argue. We don't have any, we just, we have disagreements, but we don't argue. Yeah. And um, a couple of things they say, you know, or my grandma says is that, you know, rules that we had was that, you know, we'd never um, go to sleep angry. We'd always right. talk it out before then. And, um, you know, just having enough because they were very, never, you know, super um, wealthy, you know, as their time in America, you know, he was just making uh, so a grunt's money, if you will. He was, you know, a sergeant in the mm-hmm. army, and then, um, and then he went into security when he got out, and did that, you know, for some time. So he, he has his retirement from that, but they've never been, you know, super wealthy. They've always almost had like enough to get by, and they're very frugal. And um, like my grandma, one thing, especially coming from both sides, because my grandpa came from a more impoverished side of the family, and then also my grandma, you know, being in Germany, having losing everything, they're very frugal in their nature they live off you know a few hundred dollars a month if anything yeah you know so and yeah. like my grandpa said that my grandma would even gain weight or when um when they were first here because whatever the kids didn't eat or he didn't eat she would eat that leftover food mm-hmm. just as like you know i guess kind of the trauma from the war and stuff you know yeah. not having enough then so she's like doesn't want anything to go to waste yeah man that's something too i think that in america we are so like, it's just so easy to exist here compared to other oh, yeah. places, it's, you it's know? It's ridiculous. You and know. there's such a, 
like just so much convenience mm-hmm. that we don't have a lot of struggle that we have to put up with. Yeah. And it really does seem to make a sort of not necessarily a weaker, but kind of a weaker mm-hmm. group of people and yeah. society where and also very entitled. You know, like I feel like so many people are super entitled mm-hmm. into thinking I want what I want and I want it immediately. Yeah. And I have and, to have it. Yeah, and yeah. they totally forget just like, I don't know, there's such a huge difference. I think it's mm. so important for people to travel and just go experience other countries and cultures yeah. to see how easy it is here. Mm. You know, like my family took all of us kids to Mexico a few times to go work at this orphanage mm-hmm. and we would move down there for like a month and live in our motorhome. And it was such an eye-opening experience as a little kid because mm-hmm. I remember we would go to this junkyard and bring like milk and peanut butter to people that lived there mm-hmm. that were actually like living in the junkyard, you know? Yeah. And it was just really kind of shocking to me to see that as this privileged little kid in America mm-hmm. who had all the toys I could want and all these different things. And it was like, yeah. whoa. It's yeah, it's crazy, you know, the the total difference. And also, um, you know, it's like there's a lot more struggle or not struggle, but just, you know, struggle with mentality here because of it. Like you said, everybody's entitled and Mm. um, that they don't feel happy, you know, even having all these things and not saying that, you know, things should make you happy. Because one thing they talk about when I first went to a Hare Krishna event, it was ironically a time a guru was there was speaking um, Mahatma Prabhu. And one thing he spoke about is. He, when he would have people be with him in India and Vindravan, it's a like a sacred ground within the religion. And you'd go there and there's, you know, like 10,000 temples in this five mile radius, less than that, you know, five kilometer radius little town in the mountains. Wow. And one thing he would do when he would have people there with him, devotees, you know, who had never been there, um, he'd say, hey, you know, let's go into these people's home. You know, like we'll go, go in. And to say that in America is just like one thing for crazy. Um, like you can't just go into other people's houses and people would react that way. Like we can't just go into somebody's home. And you're like, yeah, no, come on. And just walk into this, you know, hut, if you will. And there's these, you know, people and they're all just crowded around their area. It's, they live by, you know, 10 by 10 little area, if that. Yeah. And, you know, just are as happy as can be. Their, their faces light up to have guests. You know, it's such a blessing mm. to them. And they have with so little, have so much happiness and joy. And especially in that communal type of environment like we yeah. talked about earlier too um but like here you know you wouldn't dream almost of just walking into somebody's house and they would they would shy they would chase you away instead of here there you know it's they're inviting everybody in you know it's a blessing to have guests you know yeah. to be able to host super welcoming and open arms yeah exactly yeah. and it's it's not like that here you know yeah i think that yeah that's what's tricky too is it there's places like that in mm-hmm. america where mm-hmm. You know, it is super inviting and yeah. welcoming, but there is just, it kind of goes back to that individuality thing mm-hmm. of like, I don't know, I, I get tired of people trying to keep to themselves so much yeah. and and not um, be open hearted and mm-hmm. open, you know, with their house even. Because yeah. like, it's such a, it really is such a gift to have company and mm-hmm. to be able to host people. Mm-hmm. That was something, getting a house instead of apartments because I lived here for two years in apartments mm-hmm. and then got a house. And it was just such a sweet relief to be yeah. able to have like extra space, you know, to be able to host people and have, you know, just groups of people mm-hmm. over and open up. And then also if there's people traveling that I know that need a place to stay or something. Like, yeah. I love to be able to provide 
Yeah. No, and yet, like we talked about with service, you know, it's just a good feeling to be able to do that and to be a good host. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's like apartments, you know, it's like everybody's compartmentalizing away, you know, when any, anytime I live in apartments, there's very few neighbors. I know, you know, yeah. even me, like I'll put myself in that position to talk to people. It's like people almost don't want to be, they don't want to be bothered. Yeah. You know, they want to go into and their little apartment, their lock the door. I don't want to talk stay, to anybody. Stay separate. And- yeah. It's, it's very separate. And I feel mm-hmm. that's one thing that's different with homes. A little, I mean, it's still a little bit of the same, but you know, it's, I feel a little, maybe more common to know your neighbors, yeah. you know, in a home than it would be an apartment. These apartments are like little individual, individualistic cubes where we hide away almost. Yeah. yeah it's like there's personal safe places. Or yeah. Whatever. It's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. When people knock on your door. You're like, what, what's going on? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That's something too, just with the idea of like contentment and how in those places where it seems like people don't have near as much mm-hmm. as we have here, but they have a greater sense of contentment and yeah. happiness. I think that so often the like the insane availability of everything here makes it harder for people to practice true contentment mm-hmm. and to like be okay with what, what you they have, have yeah. you know, and not always wanting more and more. Well, and that's, you know, it's that desire that's almost crammed down everybody's throats through in the media and everything. Right. Everybody just, you know, buy this, buy this, buy yeah. this. You, know, you have to look this way and yeah. do this. Yeah. Exactly. Once you, you know, try and get away from that, it can be much more satisfying. Life can be, you know, as a whole. And that's something, you know, feel like being more involved in my spirituality lately, just thinking, you know, hey, I have more than I need. Right. And, you know, I'm so blessed, mm-hmm. you know, into... To be, you know, feel like you're caught up in that rat race, you know. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, it can be really exhausting. Yeah, and we can definitely get burnt out. And it's, you know, I think that's something that maybe society's kind of getting away from it. Um, people are kind of just doing more of they, what they want, you know, deeper into their age now. But before it was like everybody, you know, you're forced to have to have this successful image, make a lot of money, have a home, have a family, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. That's kind of like what has been pushed on to everybody or just this rat race of success when it's, you know, you can just help cheer other people on and be happy exactly where you're at. Yeah. And yeah, that that's something too, just the sort of like misunderstanding or mis, uh, defining what success is, mm-hmm. you know, like true success, because there really is like, I find there's the most important thing in life seems to be relationships, yeah. you know, and like, who do you know and who do you spend time with and mm-hmm. what what joy that brings to your life, you know, rather than just material things. Yeah, no, 100%. It's annoying we need money to survive, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, you don't need as much as you probably think you do. Yeah, you and know? that's like the interesting thought of, like, you know, where Derek is in Mississippi with the Hare Krishna monks. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's a small place where he doesn't need money. You know, he just hangs out there and works with them, you know, yeah. and helps out. And it's Simple a commu- community effort, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's um, definitely something, you know, I wish I could work to. But like I said, I... I, you could. I yeah. Uh, but like yeah. I said, you know, I just have that commitment to stay with family. For sure. Until another time, you know. But it's something in the, my mind that I always think about, you know, that I would love to be involved in something like that, you mm-hmm. know. And that's, you know, a good thing. Like sometimes, you know, you get those good workplaces where you feel like that with people. You know, you want to succeed right. together, just, you know, help the team or the community, you know. So to have that as a lifestyle, I think that would just be um, ecstasy almost. Yeah. Know? Super fulfilling. Yeah, super fulfilling. Because I love, you know, helping helping others. Like in, in sales, you know, mentoring people, you know, because um, I've brought multiple people from other jobs over and 
help them, you know, find something new for themselves. So that feeling other people succeed by teaching them or just helping them in any way, um, whether it be a friend or a coworker, whatever it may be, you know, that's super fulfilling and rewarding. Probably one of the best feelings, I think. Definitely. Yeah, that's cool, man. You got a very generous spirit, Clay, and it's evident. So I appreciate that. I, uh, I try to be, you know, it's, and especially thinking, you know, once I came to that mindset, it's like, you know, I have more than enough. And it's like uh, something, a quote I heard a long time ago. And I mean, I guess it can be taken to the extreme, which, you know, it's not necessarily good, but, you know, you'll never go broke by giving. Mm. You know, you'll always have someone, you know, someone that right. you took care of that'll be there for you in your time of need, you know, and like truly, you know, by continually giving to others and servicing others, you know, you will be looked upon with favor, you know, from whatever higher power. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's such a, I mean, grace compels generosity and Mm -hmm. generosity seems to, uh, compel contentment, you know, like the more generous you are, the more just, I don't know, fulfilled you feel. Yeah. You get a bigger blessing. Yeah. Man, that's cool. Mm. Ah, what would you say you're passionate about? Um, man, I'd say my job. I'm very passionate about. I'm very passionate about my you know career. I really enjoy it, um, and it gives me you know just like I said you know mentoring other salespeople that can be very fulfilling for me, and um, to do good and um, you know working for this company makes me feel very very blessed. They um, definitely give me a lot of pats on the back when you do good, and they've been there for me when I was down too. You know. There was one point I was having some problems with drinking alcohol and they were very there for me and very encouraging and helping me get through some hard times, you know, and to have that mm-hmm. in a workplace and a boss, um, is not something you get often. So I feel very committed to, you know, to helping them and yeah. um, helping myself in the same time. So I really enjoy that. And then very passionate about, you know, love and friendships and relationships, you know, root of all friendships and relationships is love, mm-hmm. you know, and to serve others. And I think that's something I'm very passionate about too, you know, developing those relationships with people and just holding space for them, you know, and being loving. Because I think, like you talked about, that is the number one thing in this life is relationships, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. And in some time, you know, in some ways it can be draining at times, you know, to feel like, you know, sometimes you can stretch yourself thin among, multi, you know, so many relationships. Right. Um, and feeling like you have to help keep up with these people. Um, but enjoying them and, you know, just meeting new people all the time and, and holding that space for each other. You know, there's those friends that you have for years where maybe you don't talk for so many months, but it's like the conversation didn't stop. You know, yeah. you meet up again and it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's something I'm really passionate about. And just spending time with my friends, too. Yeah. And karaoke. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love karaoke. Yeah, man. It's a great time. I oh. love, love singing. <laughs> that's awesome, Caught myself dude. doing it a bunch in the car the other day. I was yeah. Just going, going through it. Yeah, I was like, damn, I need to go to Lonesome. Do you have a, do you have a go-to karaoke song? I've got a couple, uh, yeah, my definitely top ones. Um, a lot of people who know me know Copacabana. Oh, Barry yeah. Manilow is probably one of my top <laughs> ones. I can bust that thing out with a couple <laughs> dance moves in there, too. Boot Scoot Boogie I really enjoy as well. That's that can a fun be, one. Yeah, that can be a really fun one. It's a good one for Lonesome, too. It gets, gets the people going. Definitely. Um, then, you know, a couple other smaller, like, country songs and stuff. And, I mean, I've always been the type of person to be singing in the shower, singing in the car, um, you know, embarrassing the people I'm riding with, <laughs> just singing my head off. Did you ever play any instruments or anything? Nothing besides, like, the recorder. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, hot nice. cross buns, you know. But I had a little keyboard in my room for a little while. Um, that was my... 
stepbrothers. I f- snagged it out of his room after he moved out, so I had <laughs> that for a while. Didn't learn a whole lot of songs, like Chopsticks maybe, you know, yeah. a little bit. But but that's a, that's a cool. cool instrument. That's one I'd love to to learn more about. But no, none that I can say that I've mastered in any form or for gotten sure. very proficient at it in any form, yeah. Well, at least you sing. Yeah, yeah. that's that's my you instrument. Know, you got there. a voice, yeah, yeah, an instrument in your throat. Yeah, I have fun fun doing that. That's, that's for cool. sure. Man, well, what are some things as we're continuing through 2022? It's now April when this Crazy. airs, and what are some things you're hoping to uh, continue to grow in or accomplish this year? Mm-hmm. Or do you have any particular like goals or anything? Um, I'm yeah. bad at setting goals. Personally. Yeah, I'm good at writing them down every couple of months. Yeah. And then <laughs> what I've done, you know, from what I the ones I had maybe near the end of last year and then around January 1st, I did kind of a reevaluation in, in this March um, and just went and kind of even graded myself on things that I feel like I've done really good at, um, whether it be my spirituality, family time, because I probably wrote down 10 or 15 things I just want to be better at. Yeah. Um, one of them, you know, stopping drinking, which, you know, I've done to a, to a really great extent, you know, nice. in the past 50 days, I've maybe drank once or twice. Um, oh, and good work. Yeah, I feel feel really good about that. Definitely been a big Im- impact on my health coming out of that scene of just, you know, going out all the time, drinking multiple nights a week, you know, which now I, you know, I'll just go out and just not drink anything a lot of times too. Yeah. Um, so uh, definitely say I want to continue with that. Um, should probably work on smoking. Um, <laughs> I, you know, stopped drinking and it's like I started smoking more cigarettes, but... Probably work That's on funny. that. That's funny. It usually goes backwards. You think? You know? Well, I mean, I feel like drinking and smoking are so often tied together, yes. you know? Yeah. But I could see where not drinking makes it easier to smoke a little more because mm-hmm. if you want to drink but don't want to drink, then just have a cigarette, you know? Yeah. yeah like as a. Yeah, I would just be, you know, we'd be there, say, lonesome or wherever, and um, everybody would be drinking. I'd be like, all right, well, I'm just going to go smoke. Yeah. So, so I. Did a bunch of that. I'm not as bad right now, but I mean, I go through through phases of it. But For sure. that man, I want to work, you know, more consistently um, at my job, and um, feel, you know, like I was got to the point where they kind of offered me a promotion recently, but I didn't accept. I don't, you know, didn't push for it. They told me I was in the final two, and I didn't really try to push for it in any way because, you know, being management before it wasn't really. It's fun teaching people, but um, you could deal with a lot more of the negativity in the industry. Yeah, because you know. Salespeople already aren't liked for the most part. Sales yeah. managers are right. feel almost liked even worse, and or, or at least you just deal with all the upset people in that mm. role. And that and the sales role, you deal with a lot more of the happy portion at least. Yeah. Um, but that because I'm looking, say maybe another year or so. You know, I'd love to work on purchasing my first home as well, um, even mm. if I'm staying with my grandparents just to have that you know that property and to be begin working on something like that. You know, because yeah. in a ways you you know you build your equity and. And um, work on a home for yourself in the future. Mm-hmm. Oh, those things cool. in my in my spirituality, I definitely want to try and make sure I'm going to services every Sunday, um, whether it be church or the Hare Krishna monks, and work on that and work on my relationships that way. Yeah. So oh, that's those are good, probably man. my goals. Well, you seem to you know have a good understanding of what you want, mm-hmm. and I'm learning more and more. I've been reading this book called Hero on a Mission, mm-hmm. and it's all about the four main character types which are victim, villain, hero, and guide, Mm -hmm. and how each of us lives into these different character types throughout our lives. And every hero knows what they want. Mm -hmm. And something I've discovered in myself is that I've I've been a chronic people pleaser my whole life and very easygoing, you know, just like 
yeah, well, whatever happens, happens, go with mm. the flow. And it's robbed me not knowing what I want exactly, you know, or like not mm-hmm. specifying my desires. And so I want to get better at that just for the sake of like, I know I have so much more that I can give and offer if I'm willing to take the time to figure out what it is I want in the yeah. first place, you know? And so just for you to have a good understanding of what you want, I think is super encouraging and inspirational in a lot mm-hmm. of ways because so many of us just don't know what we want. And that's kind of the biggest holdup because like for me and a lot of people, I think it's like, we want it all, baby, yeah. you know, and you, you really are just missing out on true growth. I think when you're forget when you're not specifying what your desires are and mm-hmm. then even directing your desires, you know, because it's easy to want everything, Yeah, but and deciding what you want, you know, there's a very, very powerful thing because just like you said, you know, you feel like you can give more by knowing more of what you want. You know, mm-hmm. part of that comes from being a generous person. Like I think you and I both are. Um, and that's something that, you know, by making that decision of not because you probably feel the same way of almost valuing other people's happiness more than your own, you know, mm-hmm. to do something good for them. Even if it's at a disservice to you, it seems like something crazy like, oh, I went so out of my way for this. But it's just for someone else's happiness, you know. Um, and then once you, you know, decide that your, you know, desires are important too, and that's something I feel like I've came into within the last two years, um, but still holding on to that, you know, wanting to be a blessing to others, but realizing, you know, to take that for yourself that, Hey, what do I really want? Cause I felt like the same way for a long time. I still like, I feel like I feel I still feel like I am in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, you know, a big part of it too, being that people pleaser and figuring out that, Hey, you know, what is it that? That's really for me, you yeah. know, because you're always in those environments. You almost blend in in a way. And part of like being in sales, I feel like that, you know, occurs to me a lot too. So in the workplace, just like I said, I force myself to be out there. I force myself to, you know, be able to relate more to people, mm-hmm. you know, when without thinking about just, you know, what's going on with me. Yeah, man, that's good. Oh, gosh, it's getting dark. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think. We've been talking for another 30 minutes here. Mm-hmm. We can cover a few more topics. Okay. What do you, do you practice creativity in any way? Or do you ever do any writing or I art of any kind? I do some writing. Um, not really much art. Um, usually writing is what I'll, what I'll do. And that's just something more lately about writing my goals, you know, um, what I want to work on, um, plans to get there, you know, steps in the process to think about things like that. And then, you know, you know, I've written a few letters lately, you know, ones that I wish I would have sent, hmm. um, ones that I have sent, you know, um, like reconnecting with people in my life. You know, I wrote a letter, a two page letter. So recently trying to reconnect more with my parents because we're not super involved in each other's lives. So I wrote yeah. a letter to them to try and see how we can reconnect. So hmm. things like that. And that's I think that can be very fulfilling, you know, or just like getting that and out healing. there. Yeah, yeah. Even, you know, whether you send it or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that's cool. I. I think everyone would do well to write more. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a good way to better understand your own voice. Yeah. You know? And it feels like a workout for your brain, truly. You know, right. you feel it's like an exercise. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think it's really healthy to just journal even, you know, to mm-hmm. just kind of like write or just take stock of where you are yeah. in your life and what's going on, you know, what things have happened that are causing you to think a certain way or mm-hmm. impact you and... Yeah, I think that's huge too. Definitely like journaling, something I was good at more so at the beginning of the year, but I've kind of slacked off on it. So something I definitely want to work on as well more this year because I've 
jumped into or decided to start going to therapy in like December. Oh, and that's nice. been, you know, it's not journaling in a way, but, you know, maybe even a verbal journal, journaling, explaining, uh, you know, unpacking my whole life, you know, to said therapist and everything. And yeah, I think that's something that in a way is like writing, you know, just talking about it, like possibly, you know, on a show like this, you mm-hmm. know, talking through things. Definitely. Yeah, I think therapy is good. I did. I've only gone to therapy one time after a super hard breakup Mm-hmm. years ago and it was great just yeah. because it helped it gave it gave me such a better understanding of kind of where I was at I think it also was sort of tempting to like put blame mm-hmm. on things you know like in my upbringing or whatever that wasn't necessarily needed you know mm-hmm. or like sort of as a way for me to like justify in my own mind why I am the way that I am mm-hmm. or whatever but so I think that's something that can be sort of dangerous about therapy sometimes of giving people yeah. an opportunity to just shove the blame somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know, rather than actually like work on themselves. And I don't think that's super common, but I mm-hmm. just think it's a possibility. Yeah, no, and I think I it's, it's saw definitely true with temptation it. in myself kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they they'll in a way, you know, come up with excuses for you. But, you know, right. finding, finding a, a working through that too or to just be you know, to be different from it, like, you know, to be that change. Like there's a lot of times where they talk about, oh, your father was an alcoholic, you know, you are, you know, apparently 10 times more likely to be an alcoholic Hmm. or, you know, addictions, you know, or being in prison, you know, 80% of people who are in prison's parents were in prison at one time, things like that, you know, but to decide to be the one who's different. Like I remember in a sermon I was reading, it was talking about the son of, um, Son or Jacob, you know, and his son in the yeah. Bible. What was what was his name? It starts uh, Esau, Isaac, or uh, Jacob. And, Jacob was uh, not the father I can't, of Abraham. I can't think of the, the name. I think it was, it was one of his sons, like um, Abraham and Isaac, or not. It was Jacob. Jacob. Had Jacob was further down. Esau, I think. and why can't I remember? It starts with an L, I think. Le- Wait, Levi. Jacob? Levi. Leviticus, okay. His son Leviticus, or the book of Leviticus, written by okay. him, his father Jacob. Um, if, I, if I think I'm going about it right. right, talking about how, you know, Jacob had at times was, you know, a very sly person or, you know, was deceitful in some ways by, you know, tricking his brother out of his birthright. Right. Um, which might have been Esau. Yeah. So Jacob and Esau were brothers. Yeah. They and were that, the sons of Isaac. Exactly. Yeah. And Jacob tricked his brother out of his, you know, birthright, which should have been his. It was a deceitful pattern. And then Levi went on to be this much more um, less deceitful person, someone who's more giving, caring for others than, you know, trying to get over in certain ways on things, Mm -hmm. you know, which obviously like he talks about in the Bible, how Jacob changed later in his life, but to break that in the family, you know, um, that's a big thing, I think, too, not just the therapy of, hey, this happened, it's because your parents did this to you, you know, okay, understand that, you know, be be the change. Yeah, we can sort of allow our genetics to make us lazy, I think, Mm -hmm. when there is a power to break generational curses, you know? Yeah. And that's something, too, that I think people are afraid to talk about a lot of times is the reality of generational mm-hmm. curses, if you will, yeah. you know? Because it's crazy how much stuff reproduces or comes mm-hmm. out. Not know? just physical, you know, mental and everything yeah. as well, the similarities. You know, it's so much nurture and so much nature at the same time. Yeah. You know? Man. Yeah, it's wild. Do you ever want to have kids? I do, man. I want to have a bunch of kids. Yeah. <laughs> I want to have a little basketball team at least, a whole lineup. Oh, nice. Yeah, no. If I have the blessing um, to 
to find someone and, and have kids and be, you know, well off enough to have multiple and multiple kids, I would love to have five or so kids. Oh, wow. Know. That's awesome. First or a long time, I was like, ah, two or three. But now the more I think about it, kids are so beautiful. And I mean, in one way, past relationships, I think that's kind of a meaning of life too, you know. Yeah. And the most rudimentary way to say to reproduce, but to, you know, create life and other good individuals in the world. You yeah. Know? So I think that'd be great. That'd be the biggest blessing I could ever imagine for my life. For sure. You know. Well, I believe that God gives us the desires of our hearts. So yeah, I'm sure you'll have kids. I, I hope so. Yeah. That's cool, man. I think I'd be a good papa. I don't know. Yeah. Be heck fun. yeah, dude. I got the dad jokes. I already got the sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm halfway there. You like mowing the lawn? I do like mowing lawns. Perfect. Yeah. Just got to get some barbecuing skill or something. Yeah. I don't have a barbecue. And I don't have kids, so it makes sense. Yeah. I think it comes with the territory. You get it after the baby shower. Right. That makes sense. Part of it. That and the white sketchers. Yeah. The jorts. New balance. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Cool. Well... Clay, thank you so much for being my guest, dude. I've wanted to talk to you for a long time now. Yeah, we've always been trying to plan it. I'm glad we finally had some time today to do it. I got to tell you, the mirror you gave me, Mm -hmm. I took it apart. You did? Yeah, and I still have the mirror part. Good. But I got rid of the wood. You got rid of now the, the, the mirror stand. is just hanging. Yeah, the stand uh, is gone. Okay. So I hope it was a little um, rocky. It was a little wonky. It was a little wonky. Yeah. And I just I was more doing it because I wanted to clear off my. I'm trying to make more room in my bedroom to get rid of the carpet. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I see. Yeah. There's a little thing I could do as my mom was pulling up the carpet. So you've got it hung now. Yeah. Yeah. Sure do. Cool. Man. It's a good mirror. It is a good mirror. (laughs) Yeah. It gives a great reflection. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, let's wrap it up. Do you have another song for us or you want me to choose? Oh, God. Um, It's okay if not. I'd say... Yeah, you choose. Okay. You choose. I can't come up with anything right now. No worries. I'll choose. Clay, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you and for having me. lovely listener, thank you. We've got more tunes coming up and a little bit more radio for you.